everyone, and welcome to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I'm Dan Lowe. Now, during July, Mary Kay Cabot, Scott Patsko, and I are bringing you the podcast version of our 20 questions about the Browns. Every weekday, we'll have a post from one of us on cleveland.com slash Browns, where we answer a question about the team as we head into training camp. We'll also have accompanying podcasts each day where the three of us discuss the topic. We cover everything from Baker Mayfield's accuracy to who will start at right guard. So if you've missed any of them or if you want to get caught up, make sure you're subscribed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, and they're all right there in the feed. Now, today is a little different. It's it's just Scott and me. And so you're going to hear us talk about the question for a little bit, and then after we take our break, we bring in one of our Football Insider subscribers to talk a little bit about the topic, uh, to ask us any Browns questions they have, tell us a little bit about how they became Browns fans, why they're Browns fans, and, well, of course, why they like Football Insider and why they subscribe. Now, I'm going to tell you about Football Insider a little later in the pod, uh, but what I will tell you right now is it's $3.99 per month, and you get a 14-day free trial. So if you want to check it out and see if it's right for you, you can do that, and you can cancel it with one text. But uh, a lot of our subscribers don't like to cancel. They really seem to enjoy uh, what we have to offer. And you can also start it with just a text. All you have to do is pick up your phone, text 216-208-3965, and you can get that 14-day free trial started. So again, if you want to check it out, see if it's right for you, uh, pick up your phone, text 216-208-3965. Now let's get to our question for today. And today's question, Scott, is about uh, the topic on everyone's mind, and that is the coronavirus. But we're going to talk about how it impacted the Browns leading into this season. Now, before I get to the question, I just want everybody to know that we're recording this uh, on July 9th. So when you hear this, there's maybe some things that have changed. So if we talk about the season and, and some plans the Browns have made uh, and a few little things here and there have changed, that's, uh, that's why maybe we aren't mentioning them. So anyway, the question, though, about the Browns and how this, this weird offseason shortened by the coronavirus is impacting them. You know, I, I think it's an important one because this is a team, they aren't like the Saints. They can't just cancel their offseason program and hope everybody comes back and knows what they're doing. Uh, they're, they're trying to put in a new system and not just a new system, Scott, but this is something we talked about over and over again. This system is weird. This isn't like, you know, they're going to be an 11 personnel all the time or, you know, you're going to have a traditional running back set up. This is a really strange system to pick up on and learn and install and even though they got to do it all via Zoom, it's really tough for them to not be on the field right now. Yeah, especially uh, like the offensive side of the ball, for sure. Um, it is something totally different from what uh, everybody who was here last year ran. Uh, it's going to be a totally different situation, obviously, for the tight ends. It's going to be, you know, you have a fullback in the mix now. And, you know, uh, you're still going to have Beckham and Landry on the field a lot, but Baker Mayfield's got to you know, a new offense again to, to learn. So yeah, it is, it is a big deal. And I think um, it seems from what they've told us, everybody's doing well in zoom or as well as you can do, you know, it's like everybody's kind of studying for the test that's going to come in training camp. And once you get on the field and we'll kind of see where they are. Uh, I think one thing that, that should maybe give Browns fans some, uh, make them feel positive uh, is, is that Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry, and really everybody involved in running this team this year seems to be number one on the same page and number two, uh, really organized. You know, we haven't, I haven't gotten a sense uh, hearing anybody talk uh, from a, a coaching or a front office standpoint uh, 
and gotten the feeling that, that they were kind of winging it or, or they were kind of, you know, treading water in a way, trying to make their way through this unprecedented offseason. It seems like everybody seems to be on the same page and that alignment that they, you know, were looking for for so long, they, they might finally have it, um, at, least, at least during a pandemic. You know, when everybody gets on the field, maybe it falls apart. Who knows? But at this point, uh, I, I'm coming away from this offseason feeling like, all right, they're ready to hit the ground running once they actually get back on the field. Right. I think the some of the solace there is like as, as you watched this team get built during the offseason, you saw how all those pieces fit. So even if you can't get on the field and run Austin Hooper through some routes and, and things like that, at least you kind of know this is what he looks like in this offense. And you know – uh, we thought we knew how David Njoku fit in this offense. Now we don't know if he's going to be here after, after that trade request. Um, there, there's other, you know, Harrison Bryant is a guy that, that we can plug into the offense. Of course, the tackles fit nicely. The only real wild card is Kareem Hunt. We've talked a lot about him, but that's kind of a good wild card. And maybe that's a guy that, that suffers because of this, because they're not going to be able to, to play around with him. Um, but, you know, it, it just seems like, because there is that alignment, because there is that idea of this is the type of offense we want to run, we're going to bring in guys that fit in this offense, you, you feel a little bit better uh, about kind of how it can all go together, you know, if they are able to get on the field at the end of July. Yeah, it's not like they, they collected a bunch of players and then they had to figure out what kind of offense they were going to run, which in a lot of ways is what happened last year. You know, you, you had <clears throat> turnover on the roster and then, you know, Freddie Kitchens and company had to kind of build – build an offense out of what they had. And this year, you're right, they, they've really been targeted in who they brought in, and it's been with a purpose. And it's pretty clear what they want to do on offense. So that, I think, works in their favor. Um, defensively, you know, again, Joe Woods is kind of on the other side of that. He's building an offense based on who he has and not necessarily one that he ran in Denver. So uh, that'll be interesting to see. That's one of the things we've missed out on, not having offseason workouts is – kind of seeing uh, some glimpses of how that might look. Uh, so uh, from an outsider's perspective, we're kind of in the dark on that. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's a situation where I think you have enough key players on defense to build around for Joe Woods to make something out of that. You know, you have your, you have your superstar edge rusher. You have uh, a cornerback who has been a, a pro bowler. You might have to figure things out at linebacker and safety, but – uh, it seems that those, you know, the defensive backfield anyways, I think you should have confidence that Woods can figure that out because that's where he spent all his career, um, most of his career anyway. So, uh, yeah, I think as far as offense, so definitely there is a focus and they brought people in with, uh, with the idea that this is what we're going to do and we're going to make sure we have the best players to do it. Yeah, and then where they miss out on that side is normally you come out of the spring and at least you have an idea of what, things are going to look like when it comes to who are my linebackers, who are my safeties. When we get out there the first day in camp, who's running with the first team, who's, who's running with the second team. And there's going to be some positions on that defensive side of the ball where we just don't know the answers to that. And not, not just us, but I mean, the coaches are kind of, they're almost kind of have to go into default mode. You know, maybe they really like BJ Goodson and they give him that job, or maybe they just decide, you know, Mac Wilson was the guy. So when we start camp, he's going to be the guy. Uh, and, and a lot can change over those 48 days of camp, but or 48 days of, of preseason. But it, it is nice to at least come in with some idea, you know, on July 28th, July 29th, some idea of who, who's going to play when, who's going to play where. And you've mentioned this a number of times. It was in the spring last year when we realized, oh, Jermaine Whitehead's going to be a guy for this team. 
Yeah, you know, and they're going to run three safeties a lot. And this is what that defense is going to look like. And they were able to, to show that and figure that out. So you go into camp, and it's just one more thing that you don't have to worry about figuring out when you show up for that first day of camp. Yeah, we also learned Jannard Avery was not going to be a right. linebacker so much because <laughs> uh, we saw him lining up uh, on the line outside of Miles Garrett a few times. Um, yeah, I think, you know, look, you, you got, what, a month? A little over a month to get the team ready if everything goes as planned in camp. That seems to me like a long enough time to figure this out, especially if there's no preseason games and you're just practicing. And while we do say that there are some question marks on defense, there are really only, there's a small group of people who are legitimate candidates for these question mark spots, right? There's only a few linebackers that we're talking about as being potential uh, starters or at least uh, heavy rotation players there. There's only, uh, you know, you kind of know what your defensive line looks like. And, and there's only a few people that are really uh, in the mix at safety to be, to be regular you know, regular starters there. You just have to kind of figure out exactly who they're going to be. Offense, I mean, other than right guard, you're, you're, you're pretty set on, on what you're going to be. So, you know, they do have some question marks, but I still think that the, there are things that you can figure out pretty quickly, I would, I would think. Now, here's the sneaky thing, sneaky part about this. Um, we assume that uh, everyone was engaged and involved in all of those Zoom meetings. And we assume that everyone, when they were, when they were sent weights or whatever it is the Browns did, I know, um, you know they sent some weights to, like Harrison Bryant, when I did my story on him, told me they sent him some weights that he could work out with before gyms had reopened. Uh, so they did some of that. And I know they were, they were having guys tape workouts and send them workouts and things like that. But, you know, from our perspective, we didn't actually get to see guys. We didn't really get to see guys in attendance or we didn't get to see photos from the Brown social media of who was there and, and things like that. So we kind of assume and we get told everyone was engaged and involved, but at the same time, we're talking about 90 guys. There's probably a few guys that weren't quite as engaged or quite as involved as they needed to be. And there might be a few guys that because they didn't have to come in and, and participate and lift weights and do all that stuff, maybe they're not quite in the shape they need to be in. And the, the problems there, you know, you already have to be worried about hamstring pulls and things like that uh, in any camp, but especially a weird one like this. You know, if guys are coming in maybe in worse shape than they normally would, that's, that's something that maybe could affect the Browns down the road. Yeah, I do, uh, I do think they showed a little bit of that. I think, you know, that building the Browns series yeah. that the Browns do. And I, I remember seeing uh, – you know, the screen with all the heads on it, <laughs> everybody in the meeting. But it wasn't like we saw that every day. And you're right, you know, maybe, you know, not everybody was engaged. And that's something, you know, as far as the injuries go, J.C. Treader mentioned that in a, in a post he did recently on the NFLPA site about, uh, you know, fighting for, uh, for more concessions from the owners on safety and everybody coming back. And, and not so much even uh, dealing with coronavirus, but um, just the fact that, you're, you've been off and you haven't had the normal training that you normally have. And they, he kind of pointed to the 2011 lockout and how injuries spiked that year. And you had more, you had more hamstring injuries and more injuries overall. So uh, that is a big concern. And I know the players uh, realize that, that they're not going to be coming back in the same shape they would be in, in a normal, you know, late July situation. Um, so in, and that could, you know, impact what they do in practice those first couple of weeks. 
certainly won't see the kind of uh, padded practices we saw some from Freddie Kitchens uh, for most of training camp last year. I think you might see a kinder, gentler training camp this year from uh, from Kevin Stefanski just for the injury situation alone. You know, that, that, that's something we actually haven't really talked about is how, um, you know, going back to that really analytics data-driven focus, how that might affect how they practice and, you know, how often they use pads. And I know the new CBA changes some of the pad rules. There weren't really very many in camp in the old one. Uh, the new CBA has a few more restrictions. It's, it's not excessively different. Uh, but, you know, it would be curious to see if, you know, that, that analytics data-driven side says, you know, we should only be in pads this much. It, it doesn't it doesn't help you as much as you think, or I don't know, maybe it, it endorses it. Uh, but hopefully we'll actually get to see that and on time uh, in July. Okay, we're going to take a break here, and then we're going to bring in one of our Football Insider subscribers uh, to talk a little bit about this topic and then just talk some Browns in general as well. Uh, that's right after this. Let me take a minute to tell you about Football Insider. It's our subscription service where Mary Kay, Scott, and I will text you throughout the day with the latest on the Browns, news, analysis, what we're thinking, and more. And the best part is you can text us back, and we'll text you directly, cutting through the clutter of social media. It's another way to connect with us as we cover your favorite football team. We also hold events with our team of writers exclusively for our subscribers, like the virtual draft event we held the week before the draft this year and our virtual event talking all things Baker Mayfield. That included uh, Mary Kay, me, Scott, Dougley Maurice, and Terry Pluto. All of these events that we do, they're open only to our football insiders. So if you want to check it out, you can get a 14-day free trial by going to cleveland.com browns and clicking on the box on the right side of the page. Football Insider is $3.99 per month after your trial expires. Or better yet, you can just text 216-208-3965 to get your trial started. Again, to get that 14-day free trial started and see everything that comes with your subscription to Football Insider, text 216-208-3965. Back to our show. I'm back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, and we are bringing in one of our Football Insider subscribers. His name is Kevin Tuman. Kevin, how are you? I'm doing great today. How are you guys? We're doing well. Uh, so, so, Kevin, when I sent out this, um, this text to our subscribers, hey, do you want to come on the podcast? Uh, you responded and told me a little bit about yourself and told me you, uh, you bought a tourist, a tourist company. Tell us a little bit about kind of what you told me. Yeah, so I, I bought a company that's been in business since uh, 1996 called Prime Tours in uh, Dublin, Ohio. And actually, the company got started with a 96 Rose Bowl trip. Uh, they actually bussed some college students and senior citizens from Columbus to the Rose Bowl in 96. And that was the first tour the bus company ride. did. <laughs> yeah, it was a long bus ride. And they, they, so, you know, it started out with college College kids, I think that there was a lottery and the college kids didn't know if they were going to get tickets and they got tickets. By then the airfare was sold out. So the previous owner said, you know what, I'll rent a bus. Uh, and so he got these college kids, he needed to sell some more seats on the bus. So he got some senior citizens and they cannonball run it, uh, cannonball ran it across the country. I guess everybody had fun. I guess it helped that Ohio State won the bowl game. So Yeah. So, so, we do, uh, so we do some Ohio State trips and we do a lot of school trips to Washington, D.C., New York. Well, we didn't do many this year, but, uh, yeah. and then, um, you know, we do some trips to Europe with Celtic bands and uh, like Irish bands, pub bands, stuff like that. So now you've, you've also, uh, you also just retired from coaching, correct? 
Yeah, I was a basketball coach at Westerville North High School for uh, 18 years. And um, overall, I coached for 30, all 35 years, I coached something, uh, baseball, basketball, cross country. Uh, I uh, did a little bit of everything. So, I'll ask you this, with, with everything kind of going on, and obviously you, you've been affected by uh, the, this pandemic as well with your business, uh, but just as, as a former coach, um, with, with some of with with how coaches are going to have to approach this, if, if they, we can even have sports in the fall, right? What kind of challenge would that present to you? Yeah, you know, I, I was listening to what you guys were talking about, about install. You know, I, I, I know from experience, you just don't start practicing stuff one week and then do it in the game on Friday night. I mean, it takes, you know, it's going to take multiple weeks of practice before people are going to be, be able to execute without um, – you know, without having to pro without having to process, without just getting out and doing it in football, you know, the speed of the NFL, if you hesitate for a half a second, you know, you're, you're beat. Um, so, you know, I can only imagine um, it, it's, it's going to be a tough situation being a first year coach trying to do all this install uh, and, and then, and then not having possibly exhibition games. I understand that from an injury factor, but um, I mean, those exhibition games, I think, could be huge for, for a, a new staff, new players. So tell, tell us a little bit about your Browns fandom. When, when, yeah, yeah. When so it goes back. I grew up, I grew up in Wapakoneta, Ohio, northwestern right. Ohio. And uh, so my grandfather worked at the Lima Steel Mill. And Joe Morrison, who played for the New York Giants back in the day, back in those days, NFL, he went to Lima Central Catholic, I think. And uh, back in those days, guys in the NFL had jobs in the offseason. So uh, Joe's job was to work in the steel foundry in the offseason. So my grandpa knew Joe, and we'd go up and watch the Giants and the Browns play. He was, I think my first game was probably 62 or 63. And then uh, my father-in-law was Larry Nickel, who was a longtime coach at uh, Westlake, uh, track and football coach at Westlake. He had season tickets going back to the late 60s. So um, – they're not really my season tickets. My wife would tell you uh, that they're actually her season tickets. <laughs> but, yeah, I have season tickets, um, you know, I think it's section 104. So great season. You know, we got that season ticket letter today that, uh, you know, I don't know what we're going to do this year. Kind of a mess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a tough one. Well, and, and, you know, the Ravens uh, the other day just reduced their capacity to less than 14,000. Right. I mean, it's it's going to be uh, – it's going to be it a is. A strange experience for everyone uh, yeah it's kind of it's going to be it's going to be rough you know we had a tour um to penn state ohio state at penn state and you know we had people we've had people cancel tours to ireland cancel tours to new york city but the buckeye fans that were on the penn state trip that's the one that only so far only one or two people have canceled even though probably the chances the chances of having that trip are, are very slim but you know they're they're pretty dedicated uh ohio state fans you know, the, the Browns talked about moving their uh, uh, training camp down to Columbus uh, a couple years ago. And I was, what kind of crowd do you think they would get for that? And, you know, how many Browns fans do you have around you down there? Oh, it's, yeah, I, you know, the, the majority, I mean, it's, you know, Browns and, you know, because the Steelers have been good, I think, you know, there's Browns fans and Steeler fans and then there's Bengal fans. Um, you know, I would say if the Browns ever put together a season, uh, it'll be pronounced majority Browns fans. But there's a lot of, as you know, uh, front runners. I think even in Northeastern Ohio, there's some uh, Steeler fans lurking around. Oh, yeah. um, but I, it's primarily primarily Browns fans. Um, so, yeah, I would say it's Cleveland. It's Cleveland. Have Have you noticed a, a difference in 
really since the Haslam's kind of took ownership. I know they've been really pushing, of course, they've really had a piece of this. Yeah, they've, they've had a pushing into Columbus, and of course, they yeah. own the crew now. Right. Yeah, they've had that Columbus Center. Yeah, I think you guys remember, were you guys around a few years ago? I think it was Johnny Manziel in camp when they did an exhibition game down at Ohio Stadium. I, I think that mm-hmm. was. I think, I think Manziel was a quarterback. I bet they had twenty-five or 30,000 people there. I um, think Terrell Pryor was on that team, too. Yeah. yeah, I think he was. I think he was. Yeah, so, you know, there's uh, there's a lot of interest there, and I think certainly with the Haslam's owning the crew, um, there's a lot of cross-pollination there. And, you know, you look at the Indians and the Clippers – uh, I think they're, you know, in the Blue Jackets and the, what's the hockey team in Cleveland? Uh, the triple, uh, I think. The monsters. Oh, the Monsters. Yeah, yeah, the Monsters, Monsters. So, you know, there's a lot of, I think, you know, definitely uh, Cleveland and I think Columbus look towards each other a lot more than Cincinnati. I think Cincinnati a lot of times looks more towards Kentucky. Um, you know, there's a lot of Kentucky fans down in Cincinnati and I don't think as many uh, Ohio State fans. <clears throat> well, they have their own college too. They do. They do. They have. They have all right. Don't forget the Bearcats and the Musketeers. That's right. Yeah. So, uh, all right. I got. I, I don't know. Do you have any <clears throat> questions for us? That, that's okay. that's part of this. Well, I'm sure you yeah. got some questions. So, fire yeah. away. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that I think um, is is interesting uh, from a fan standpoint is they have so many offensive weapons. So, you know, as a basketball coach, there was always one basketball. Uh, so there's one football. So how do you think um, they're going to be able to keep everybody uh, satisfied with the number of touches they're going to get in a football game? Well, I'm, I'm glad I'm not the one that has to make those decisions. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it depends on the player. I think you just have to, you know, you, you, I think you know this as a coach, you have to know your players really well and know kind of what they need. And I, I just, it always struck me with a guy like Jarvis Landry. And I thought Freddie did a good job of this in 2018. And he did make, a, make it a priority where Jarvis's touches were actually down in that second half of 2018, but he would get him involved early, even if it meant, you know, I'm going to throw a quick screen or we're going to run a, an end around, something like that. He'd get him involved in the game early. And he was, he's always more engaged when he gets involved early. You know, a, a, guy, like a, a guy like a Nick Chubb is always <laughs> kind of going to be there. You remember that Cincinnati yeah. game last year where he only carried, I think it was three times in the first half, and then one of his early second-half carries, he breaks a big run. So that's a guy that you kind of know is always going to be there, and maybe you don't have to force-feed him the ball. So yeah. I think a big piece of it is kind of knowing your guys, knowing who needs to really get involved early to be engaged and, and be a part of this, and who can I kind of wait to feed a little bit later. Guys are going to have to realize, too, that uh, we're going to find out who is really all in on the greater good because numbers are going to be down for a lot of these guys. You know, we've had questions, you know, can Chubb and Hunt both get 1,000 yards? Can, can Beckham and Landry both get 1,000 yards? Um, you know, we probably not. <laughs> and I think we've talked about who's the third receiver before, you know, and I, I said it's probably going to be Odell Beckham because Landry is probably going to lead the team in receptions. And you got Austin Hooper who could, who could be second. And, you know, is Landry cool with being uh, – or is, is Beckham cool with being third? You know, we don't know. Is – you know, we're going to get to the end of the season and uh, find that Kareem Hunt is really the, the catalyst for this offense more than Nick Chubb? And, you know, you have contract decisions to make there too. So I think the Browns are going to find out a lot about their offense and, and maybe who needs to stay and who they could do without, which is weird because, you know, you have such talent at every skill position <laughs> – but I would be surprised, I would be shocked if this group is together next year. You're going to see some people moved 
because they just it doesn't make sense to pay them what they're going to want to be paid because they're going to not not going to produce at the level that you know they have when they were the guy. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really hard. I think sometimes sometimes the toughest teams to coach were the most talent. I mean, the most talented teams. You would think you just roll the basketball out, but there's so much behind the scenes. I know that the coaches are going to have to deal with in terms of keeping everybody happy. Speaking of that, my other my next question would be on the quarterback room. I see a big upgrade in Case Keenum uh, as the backup. What do you guys think about that and about the relationship between the quarterbacks? How that's going to work, uh, Scott? Well, I was going to. I think uh, as far as a mentor or someone in the quarterback room, I mean, everybody had great things to say about Drew Stanton. We never really saw. Uh, what he could do on the field. <laughs> we saw yeah. a little bit in training camp. Uh, you know, every, all the coaches uh, said over <laughs> and over that, yes, we believe Drew Stanton can win games, but, um, you know, he didn't have a, a huge track history of that. So I think, yeah, definitely Case Keenum is a huge upgrade in that regard, not just uh, his success, but his knowledge of, uh, or his, you know, having been with Stefanski before. So that's huge. And, yeah. I mean, Gar- Garrett Gilbert is, is, is Baker's buddy. So that's always good, you know, having a friend in the locker room. Um, they brought in the kid from uh, oh, the undrafted free agent. He's from, is he from Princeton? I think he's an Ivy League kid of what yeah. I remember. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, actually talked to him at the Combine. He was sitting at a table by himself, and I had some <laughs> interview with him somewhere on my recorder. But it's a good thing he got out of Princeton this year because next year he's yeah. not going to be able to play. So No sports. Right. But, I mean, I think it's a good quarterback room, and it, it makes sense because you have – you got the guy who everybody says is, is your franchise guy. And then you have somebody who's uh, experienced, has had success, and uh, has a relationship with the coach already. So I think it's, it's really set up well. And I think that, that knowledge, kind of institutional knowledge of Stefanski's system, even though Stefanski wasn't the offensive coordinator, it's still a lot of the same concepts, a lot of what they did in Minnesota. And that's, of course, where, where he came up. Um, I, I think – and look, Case Keenum can play if you need him to. He can go in and play. I think that's been a little overrated. I, you know, there's a reason he led a team to an NFC championship game and was on a different team a year later and then was traded to another team a year after that. I think there's a very hard ceiling on what he can do. But if you need him in a pinch, you know he can go out there and run the offense and, and you know he can at least play, um, which, which is going to be important. Baker has been pretty tough during his time as a quarterback, but you just never know. All it takes is, is one funky yeah. hit or, or something like that. Right. And if, if you don't trust your backup, it, it can change your season. Yeah. You know, the other, the other area that was really frustrating last year, I think was special teams, um, you know, uh, especially the return team, especially the punt return game. I think maybe, maybe it was a little bit better last year than the year before, but I know they've added some guys that might possibly be returners. How do you guys, who do you guys seeing being the punt returner? Uh, the kickoff guy, um, those kind of things. I wrote about that today. Yeah, just <laughs> did you? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean they have. It's uh, it's funny. It's it's going to be largely the same situation they had last year, trying to figure it out. You know, they haven't really had that uh, dangerous punt returner since Travis Benjamin, really, in like 2015. So yeah. you're going to see, you know, Hilliard and Ernest Johnson and. Uh, uh, Tavier Thomas, who kind of became a kick return, kickoff returner later in the season. Uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones is going to get a look. And I'm sure you'll see Beckham and Landry uh, taking, uh, taking reps at returner. But it's, it's, you know, Peter's got to figure out 
who that guy is. He even said uh, earlier this year, that's one of his main, main concerns. You know, I'm just trying to figure out who my returner is going to be because no one's really sure. I mean, Dontrell Hilliard did not do a bad job. He was top 10 in kickoff returns. Uh, punt returns, you're right. They, they, have, they have struggled to find success there. Um, Jojo Natson, um, I mean, he's not, he's not one of the league's best, but he's definitely fast. And he's definitely, I think, uh, more of a, a weapon back there on punt returns than they've had. You know, Hilliard is Hilliard's adequate. Um, he had a couple muffed punts, but they they recovered both of them. Uh, but yeah, you, I think you de, you need to upgrade at punt returner, and I think you can get by with Hilliard doing kickoffs. The question is, are those guys all going to get spots? Hilliard is obviously down the depth chart at running back. Natson. He has two career catches as a receiver, so he's not going to be your third receiver. He's going to be uh, making this team uh, based on special teams. You know, and Donovan Peoples-Jones might surprise everybody, surprise everybody, and uh, show that that he can be the guy in camp and, and earn that job. So you got twelve guys, twelve receivers right now, and wow. uh, the Browns might keep five. So it's not a lot of room and, and not a lot of uh, spots to to get. Yeah, I'm I'm always kind of a big, you know, when when you kind of go through these off seasons, the actions speak louder than words, right? So we talk a lot about third receiver, and the Browns didn't really do a lot to address third receiver this off season. It just shows you how they prioritize it. You know, they ultimately took Peoples Jones in the sixth round, um, and then they brought Rashard Higgins back for nine hundred thousand dollars after the draft. So it, it kind of tells you how they feel about that position in general. And then as a returner. You know, you kind of flip that Peoples-Jones argument. They did use a draft pick, and they brought him in, and that's one of the things he does well. And then they also spent some money to bring in JoJo Natson. So that, that tells me that that's an area that they're trying to prioritize at least a little bit. They're not putting, you know, tons of resources into it, but it is an area that they've addressed directly, and you can point to things that, hey, they really want to bring somebody in here who can have an impact in the return game. Yeah. So I – do you have time for another question? Yeah, we'll, we'll, oh, yeah. <laughs> I was say one more. I, just, I didn't know if you have a big commercial break coming or something, but hey, uh, what's the, uh, what, what do you think? I mean, they lost Joe Schobert, and you know, Schobert was a good player. I mean, he obviously had his limits, and there were some things I think that probably were frustrating about him, but that, that's a pretty big hole to fill. I know they've got some young guys. I mean, how, they didn't really do, to my knowledge, did they do much to upgrade or bring in any free agents at linebacker or anything? Or is that going to be kind of, uh, fill it with what they've got, kind of make do with what they have. You know, again, I mean, this might be one of those actions speak louder than words moments. You know, they didn't for everywhere where they really invested in, in upgrading, even on, even when they brought in guys on one year deals, um, they didn't do a lot at linebacker. So that tells you either, you know, a, they really like Mac Wilson and Sione Takitaki and think BJ Goodson is, is a find um, or B Maybe, maybe they view linebacker as replaceable, you know, unless you have an elite level guy, maybe they just view that as a replaceable position and you can roll guys in and out of there. And the most important things are your front four and, you know, your back four or five and linebacker is just kind of, it's just kind of a position where you got to have some guys that maybe check a couple boxes here and there. Uh, but, yeah. but maybe they don't value it quite as much as, as some of the other positions. Also, from a team building standpoint, it could just be that, you know, Andrew Barry can't get everything done in one year. Next year, you know, maybe linebacker and safety are, are big offseason acquisitions, but they definitely didn't upgrade linebacker. I think uh, if they had to start today with 
two guys, and it seems like they're going to have probably the, the same situation as they did last year with two guys on the field more than three. I would guess it's going to be Goodson and, and Wilson, just based on the fact that they have the most experience. You know, Goodson, I think, has started almost 30 games over four years. Yeah. Uh, and then, obviously, Wilson had the 14 games last year and then kind of go with that, which isn't great. Uh, they'll have to see how they adapt to the defense. And let's not forget that forgotten draft pick. <laughs> That's Jacob true. Jacob I always forget about Jacob Phillips when I talk about the linebackers. But, you know, they did use a third-round pick on him, which, which I think yeah, is He was LSU, right? Yeah. Another LSU guy? Yeah. yeah, and the safety, you know, hopefully the safety play is going to be improved. I know that was, it seems like they've never been able to cover a tight, well, at least in the last three or four years, it seems like whatever team they're playing, their tight end is all world against the Browns. It oh, seems yeah. to be like wide open down the middle of the field. Yeah, they uh, revived Delaney Walker's career last year. and that's <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Kevin, we appreciate you uh, taking the time to jump on with us. I do have to ask you, because I'm asking all of our Football Insider subscribers, this is, this is your chance to be uh, our advertiser here, our, un, our unpaid advertiser, okay. I will admit. But, but just tell us kind of why, you, know, why you, you subscribe to Football Insider, why, what you get out of it. Yeah, well, first thing, I like getting a text message, and I, and I, like, the, I like the fact that your articles are – quick reads. They're short to the point. They can refer you to more in-depth information, but you know, the, the, if I'm at work or something, I need a quick break. I can hit that up and say, Oh, and in a minute I can read uh, what you wrote and uh, you know, see maybe that there's further information in you know, one of your other articles or something like that. So I think it's very good value for the money. Um, you know, I'm a big believer in local journalism. I know a few people that work at the dispatch, you know, the sports writers and guys like that. I know that, um, you know, it's local journalism is really important. And I like to support it. Well, we obviously appreciate it. Um, <laughs> anybody that, that, that is willing to, uh, to pay for our content, we certainly appreciate it. And we appreciate you uh, getting involved with us here um, on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. So uh, make sure everyone out there, you are subscribed to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, wherever you listen to your pods and check out Football Insider because, uh, you know, I told you about all the things we, we offer there, but then we also throw out some things like this because we, uh, we love to interact with all of our, our football insiders and answer questions and, and chat with them via text and sometimes via our pod. So uh, Kevin, we appreciate you joining us. And for Scott, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs>